Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. This is another incredible opportunity. I'm feeling pretty pretty blessed to get a chance to uh, speak with this individual today. Uh, he's got some phenomenal work that I think anybody in education, parent, really just anybody, it doesn't even have to be education related, is doing some work that I think is a, a great reminder for a lot of us, or maybe just a new way to be thinking about some different ways of how we can increase engagement and play and, and really, I think, a discovery of self and in the, in the, in the world around us. Most of you know by now, I am a Lego nerd. Um, so uh, the guest today, I think a, a mutual adoration for Lego, but I think a slightly different twist from maybe what some of you are familiar or not familiar with as, as we dive into that. And so the guest today, I'm Really honored to have on Liam Isaac. And so, Liam, welcome to the show. And for those that don't know who you are, and I'm going to assume in my listener support group, people that tune in weekly, they may not have come across, they're familiar with Lego. They hear me talk about it, but they may not be familiar with all the things that you have been creating and developing. So, I'm really excited to get this in front of them. So, who are you? What do you do? And what in the world you got going on? Great. Thanks for the lovely introduction, Aaron, first of all. Um, well, I'll start off just by saying I think a healthy mutual adoration. Of yeah, Lego. there you go. Yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> I think everyone should have that uh, in their kit. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm Liam. Uh, absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me to join you today. Um, so I uh, work for a, an organization called Serious Work. Um, we are a company that specializes in... Uh, the delivery of training and facilitation of programs using a method called Lego Serious Play. Um, I'm sure we'll dig deep into that uh, today. Um, just a little bit about me, I guess, background. First of all, I'm I'm an educator. So uh, I've recently uh, left teaching uh, just, just about six weeks ago now. Um, so I've been teaching for, for 15 years uh, in secondary schools or high schools um, around the world, really. So I've I've been lucky enough to teach at some outstanding places in London, Paris, Singapore, and more recently uh, back in the UK. So that's been me for the last 15 years. And for about the last three or four years uh, in schools, I've been really uh, exploring and experimenting the application of uh, this, this method, the Lego Serious Play method, and really seeing how it can add value uh, to learning experiences in, in loads of different contexts, actually. Um, I've recently uh, published a book um, called Building Better Learning on, the, on some of the experiences that I've had in different schools. Um, and now I guess my kind of big drive is to uh, try and get as many people in education as possible to get access to the method, to, to see what it's all about, really to see um, if it can add value to their context, which I absolutely believe it can, which is why I'm, I'm kind of in this role now. So yeah, that's that's a little bit uh, about me and, and a bit of background. I love it. Yeah. And I really want to dive into your, your education career. Um, and before we do that, because I think it's 
it all ties together. And I know that um, with the Lego serious play method and then a lot of what you were doing um, in your classroom. But let's maybe start with defining or maybe not defining necessarily, but explaining Lego serious play. Yeah, great. So I think Lego serious play, I mean, I could, I could, I could, can and will go on, but um, <laughs> I think in essence, what it really is, is a tool to support effective communication, I think, first and foremost. So essentially, imagine you have a set of Lego bricks in front of you. When you are using Lego Serious Play, you are communicating and sharing your ideas through those bricks. So you're, you're absolutely not building kind of literal models um, you're using those bricks to represent ideas so one of the key principles kind of founding principles uh, with lego serious play is that any brick can mean anything um, so i mean i'll just pick one up at random uh, let's say i've got this here so this is just you know something that's on my desk all the time um, in lego serious play this little monkey can represent any concept at all so um, I was just yesterday kind of filming my own little kind of Lego serious play stories about Lego serious play. It was a bit meta, but that monkey was representing all sorts of different ideas like uh, theory of uh, playful learning um, as espoused by the kind of Lego foundation was one of the ideas um, that I was attaching to that. So within Lego serious play, you're essentially using the bricks to take whatever's in your head and make them tangible and in front of you. And in an education context, that has lots and lots of uh, potential positive follow-ons. Um, the first thing is that physical uh, framework for your thinking then becomes a scaffold upon which you can tell a story. So you can use that framework to actually articulate things that you might otherwise struggle um, to articulate if you didn't have that framework in front of you. Um, so we talk quite a lot about how Lego Serious Play can be a great tool for socializing tacit knowledge so things that you struggle to explain because you know it but you know it through experience and if someone asks you a question about it sometimes it's not obvious i often use the example of of kind of if someone asks you what is love everyone kind of knows what it is but if i ask you to articulate it in a kind of direct response to me can you just explain to me what is love it can be very challenging to kind of bring that tacit knowledge to the fore in a way which is really clean and clear for someone else to to understand so in using your bricks you can kind of make those tacit understandings explicit and the beauty of that in an education context is then everyone else around the table can then learn from what you have brought to the table so it it really is a fantastic um tool to support social learning um and then in doing so, it, as I said, it also affords others the opportunity to build on what they know using what you know. And, and one, of the, one of the kind of underlying principles of Lego Serious Play is this idea of constructivism, the idea that we kind of continue to build on our knowledge. Um, and you have within this method, a really tactile way of, of doing that. Um, and, and, it, and it works very well um in an education context yeah i love that so as you know there's i'm thinking about so many educators that understand those ideas right like i i, I have a hard time believing there's too many that would be like hmm boy 
Never thought about that. You know what I mean? As we think about all the stuff that is available, but what makes it unique? I mean, or, or, or different because I, because I think, and I'm assuming and I'm generalizing, I know that's not always good to do, but like a lot of educators, whether they're brand new or maybe the just uh, constrictions of what has happened to the education system, they know these things, but they maybe don't always know how to do it. Um, you know, and obviously what you and I both love about Lego is one, I always say like, you don't have to spend three days trying to teach your kids the tool, you know, like you can get right in and it's pretty intuitive, yeah. but what, why, why serious play? Why, why this, you know, where you are, where, you know, you, you made a, 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 a bold change of, of occupation, so to speak, where you've, you've left your, your, your classroom to really dive into this, what does it provide that, you know, maybe others don't? And I know there's lots of stuff out there because I think one of the things that I have found missing in supporting all the schools and classroom teachers is they get that, they want to do that, but they don't always know how. There's two things that jump out immediately. The, and the first, I think, is I'll, I'll just talk to something you mentioned uh, really quickly there. Um, the first thing, as you alluded to, is that with Lego, even if you've never seen Lego before in your life, within about 50 seconds, you can kind of get the gist of it, right? right. Um, yep. And there's some there's some real strength to that in terms of using it as a learning tool. So one, um, it's very accessible. Everyone can, can pick it up, play with it pretty quickly. And because of its modular nature, you can actually start to create some pretty complex models within a couple of minutes of picking up a box of, of bricks. And I think one of the reasons why it's such a powerful tool to support learning is the intuitive nature of the tool itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. So because you can pick up those bricks and construct anything without really needing to think too much technically about how you're doing it, it very quickly allows learners when they're responding to, to stimuli that they might be given through what we call a build question Lego serious play, it very quickly allows them to enter that state of flow. And that's where they are focusing on what they're articulating, what they're thinking about without needing to stress about how they are articulating it. Um, now that might sound like a, a minor thing, but actually in the context of the classroom, that's pretty huge. Um, if you think about asking a student a question and to put their hand up, um, and respond to it, the kind of typical classroom interaction, I guess, um, immediately they have to create a, a, an abstract uh, way of communicating their thinking. So words themselves are an abstraction, right? So you have to take that idea, you have to translate it into a set of words, and then you have to be able to communicate that. And there's nothing to say that you have all of the the vocab and the knowledge that you need to be able to communicate that really cleanly with someone else. One of the nice things about using Lego bricks is that you, you kind of strip that back to a kind of baser level of communication. So in Lego Series Play, you never build and explain what you're doing as you build it, really. What you do is you get given a stimulus or a prompt, we call it a build question. And then what you do is you, you kind of get into that zone and you build your response. And only after do you have to then articulate that to someone else as a model story. Um, and that subtle change, I think, is a really, really um, powerful way of, of kind of communicating your thinking. Um, the other thing as well is 
is there are elements of the process. If, sorry, if we go back to why Lego Serious Play, um, the method itself is built on a fairly simple but robust process. So um, you'll always get given a challenge. So a build challenge. So you'll, as a learner, you'll be challenged to do something. It's normally in the form of build a model to show and then whatever that might be. Um, then you'll get given your time to build it. And that's when you are kind of absolutely in your zone. That's when we see kind of people get lost in that build as they're trying to think about what is really important to them in response to that question. Then they share their story about the model. And then there's opportunity for kind of meaningful, deeper reflection. Um, now, the lovely thing about that process is, is baked into it are some kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? There are some principles baked into that, which are kind of counter to your typical classroom environment. One is that everyone has to build a response and everyone has to share their model story. So this socialization of knowledge and this democracy of, of everyone needing to respond, if you think about a, a kind of standard classroom environment, that isn't always the case when we're trying to engage learners. If we ask a group to have a conversation about something or debate or discuss, we know from looking at kind of any classroom worldwide, you'll have your introverts, you'll have your extroverts, you'll have your victims, you'll have your bullies, you'll have there are all these kind of social dynamics at play within every classroom, which mean that some people will find it very easy to share what they think. Some people will own that space and almost <laughs> be a dictator within that space, <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, sometimes with the best possible intentions. And some learners are quite happy to sit back in the periphery and disappear and blend into the background. Within Lego Serious Play, everyone has to build and everyone has to share. So you don't lose perspectives. You might have different perspectives, but everyone has an equitable chance to share what they think on a topic. One of the other lovely things about it in the context of learning is because, again, baked into the process is this principle that you actually need to know what someone else has said in their story. So, I mean, without getting too technical on, on different kind of aspects of Lego Serious Play, sometimes you will build on your own. Typically, you'll start building on your own and then we'll progress onto a kind of shared model build. So you'll actually start to build as a group um, and you'll build a group response. And what that requires is for you to understand exactly what someone else has said or exactly what someone else has built in response to that question. So what that means is there's a subtle shift in the learner mindset. Typically in a class, you ask someone a question, people wait, they might have their hand up, they might either be dying to say what they want to say, or they might be hoping no one asks them anything, um, or they might be somewhere in between. But the point is there that um, they don't need to actively engage in what someone else is saying, one of their peers is saying. Um, if you're dying to say what you want to say and you're repeating it in your mind because you don't want to forget it before the teacher <laughs> asks you what you want to say and you're going, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, you're probably not listening that cleanly to what the person next to you is saying or what the person is. Uh, you're probably not being an active participant in what someone else is sharing. Whereas within Lego Serious Play, because there is this need to recap other people's model stories and because you need to understand what everyone else is saying in response to the question, you need to be much more actively engaged in what your peers are actually saying. Um, and you need to be a much more active participant within your kind of build group. 
and there's all sorts of positives um in terms of what that builds around empathy kind of being respectful of other people's ideas and positions citizenship actually belonging to part of a learning community even though it might be a really micro one within the classroom um i mean like i say in terms of the why lego series play i could go on and i'm sure we'll talk about more but just as an initial kind of foray into that the the accessibility of it as i mentioned earlier and then the the kind of the process itself the method itself is based on principles that are so robust that actually they just breed really good learning and they provide for the development of skills that i think we're increasingly seeing marginalized so this idea of citizenship in a learning experience, actually having to actively listen to someone next to you um, to accept that, that other people might have different opinions to you and different ideas, and that's okay. This notion of tolerance, all these things exist within that method. Um, and I think they can only add value to, to learning experiences. I love that. And there's, you know, there's so much to that. I mean, I think about all the things on the plates of teachers and admin. I mean, it all, it's not just teachers, but that's where I spend a majority of my time. So I, I was a teacher. I felt that. And I think even no longer being in the classroom, I think that stack on the plates has gotten even higher with just all the things for all the reasons, you know, and I think what, what you're, what you're bringing to light here is something really important is that we don't need to always teach these skills or these things in like siloed it sounds really bitter but like can curriculum type things like i'm gonna buy this thing here for you know social emotional learning i'm gonna buy this thing here to teach kids yeah. how to listen i'm gonna i'm gonna buy this thing yeah. we're gonna have these all these little pockets of i gotta do 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and, and some of that is sometimes it's required uh, sometimes it's not a necessity but what you're talking about is like what i think is so powerful about the process is these things happen organically when set up correctly with a good prompt and the good process that serious play provides. Mm -hmm. And the, I always say like the kids don't always know what's happening in the moment, but that built-in reflection is how they grow and develop. And as we think about engagement and we think about, I mean, across the the nation i would assume the world as well but like attendance issues are low like all these things is like this like gets people excited to learn and as we think about developing even like the culture of the classroom these types of things help with that and all of a sudden they realize like oh my voice does matter oh you know yeah. i do have to share and i'm not going to be completely judged every time i speak or don't speak because it's the expectations we do this and we know that we're gonna have to listen because we kind of learned the next step in this process is, you know, you and I might have to come together and design something even better than we never thought before. And, you know, so, but it's not like a bolded checklist rubric where it's like, Oh, I got to do this for a grade. Yeah. So uh, you, what you're, what, what I like so much about what you're talking about there is like, it's these subtle shifts can be easily overlooked but they're game changers to do some of the bigger stresses that I think are on the, the, the minds and hearts of so many educators um, that it can help. It's not going to solve everything, but boy, it can really address some of these things that we're trying to figure out how to do. Absolutely. And I mean, how many, how many well-being off the shelf programs have we kind yeah. of sat through and gone, Oh, you know, the, the number of times, and this is no particular institution I've been at. I think it's right. true of all of them 
the number of times someone's been invited in speak for an hour on a topic that you just know has to be covered so it's this idea that we're kind of ticking boxes to make sure that you know in terms of our due diligence we can say we have done x y and z so there's these you know we have these pocketed programs um that you only have to look at the kids in the room to see that the actual value added to them is is limited mm. um and i think you're quite right what i mean one of the nice things about this method is its transferable nature across so many things the other lovely thing about using it for you know soft skill development or well-being or um, you know, defining, you know, future learning and, and professional guidance counselling, all the things like that, is that a lot of the learning that takes place is the, in the room comes from what other students bring to that process. So it's not, it's not about kind of a teacher, you know, kind of filling up the vase with knowledge. Um, it's about bringing students together getting them to share what they already know, getting them to co-construct ideas. And then as a teacher, you might, you might have misconceptions you need to address, or you might actually say, do you know what? They're absolutely spot on. Um, but, you know, collectively, they've really got to where, where we want them to get to. And they've developed all these soft skills in the process of doing so as well. Um, and we've democratized the process and, and, and. So I think, yeah, the, the transferable nature of it um, across different subjects and different applications, I think is is another massive strength of the method. Um, I've talked about uh, in in the book how it can be used in lots of different contexts, and and I've worked with university counsellors and 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 kind of um, well being counsellors in schools who have used it to support coaching, kind of one on one coaching experiences to help people start that process to articulate what's on their mind to kick it off and then kind of build on those models as they build their discussions um i've used it in what i would say very typical planned learning experiences where i might have several different uh lego serious play builds built into a unit of study um, and i've also used it in kind of workshop formats where we've had a big issue or topic or challenge uh within the school and we've used this to help better understand it and develop our kind of strategic uh, next steps uh, and action plans uh, based on some of the findings that were uncovered from those processes. So that transfer, that's transferability, that versatility. Um, I think it's a real strength of the methods. And when I think about what schools are doing, you know, looking for that how do I tick that box? How do I fill that gap? How do I make sure we are, you know, covering what we need to cover? There's a big argument for using something playful like Lego Serious Play to allow the students to bring what they know to the fore, bring what they know to the party in areas across um, the curriculum um, and not thinking about it as, okay, we have Lego Serious Play here where we use it in this little module. I'd, I'd be a massive advocate for for looking at where it can be plugged into the curriculum to add value in a more kind of transferable way. Yeah, so I want to talk about the book too because it's such a valuable resource, I think, to help people uh, get started with some of this. But before we talk about that, 
I, I am curious going back to your kind of educator hat. Well, you're still at have an educator hat on as you're getting the stuff out there, but when you're in the classroom and you have a very uh, unique perspective because you've been able to teach not just in a variety of schools, but locations, um, you know, and so as, as you've reached this space now where you're, you've, you've got the book, you're working with Lego, uh, serious work through the Lego serious play model and helping try to get this stuff going in, in schools prior to that, how did you, did you always have this philosophy? How, like, how did that craft and grow, you know, and then as, as you worked through various locations where there's difference mm. in, in culture and, and maybe just even school institution methods, uh, you know, how did, how did all that kind of not bring you to here, but I think your education journey is, is, is really valuable to this conversation um, because, you know, the people that, have the biggest impact are those in the classroom working with students, you know? And so I know that teacher voice is always so powerful as we talk about this because you've, you've, you've been tinkering, you've been exploring, you've been creating things, you know, I mean, that's part of the reason why they, they probably hired you and brought you on. You, you, you've got that wealth of knowledge, but you know, what was that journey like? Because I also think sometimes we forget that we can, we don't have to know it all right away. Like part of this, just as much as we want the kids to play and tinker as the professional, yeah. we have permission to do the same as well and not have to get it right the first time. So I was just curious if you could share a little bit about your own journey that that's kind of led you to this yeah. point. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, going right back. So uh, I studied architecture at university and I worked for a, a couple of years beyond university in that field. And I think that's in the context of where I'm at as an educator. I think that's a really important um, kind of foundation for me. So that kind of background of design um, has really informed my philosophy for education. So the first thing I would say that, that I took from that kind of design background is this notion that that in architecture and I'm a design technology teacher so it's kind of followed through into that we always work iteratively um so I guess from day one right up until my last lesson maybe six weeks ago I don't think I ever ran the same lesson twice hmm. um I think every single lesson I tinkered and played and I'm not advocating that that's perfect that's <laughs> right. my personality but I think the point is is in in the field of the creative industries and design I think it's never perfect so I think that lends itself to having a kind of growth mindset I would say if you're if you're thinking in that frame of mind that things can always be better um, I think you you become more open to new ideas and thinking about how you can incorporate them into your practice and how you can hone your craft and it's always about professional development and thinking about what you can do to be even better and be even more influential and have a more positive impact on your students. So I think that those foundational years, my kind of further education and early years in a different field set me up really well in that respect, I think. Um, then I've been very fortunate in that whatever school I've gone to, I've worked as what in the UK we call design technology, which um, I know is probably doesn't exist in that form in the US. I know from my experience from students who apply to go uh, to, to universities in the US, they tend to do foundation years at university that cover a lot of the type of things mm -hmm. we will do in um, design technology at kind of, kind of high school level. 
Um, one of the lovely things about design technology is there is, of course, a kind of core curriculum, but how you achieve it is pretty much open. Um, you know, what you choose to do, what projects you choose to run. Um, it's very much, you know, you you kind of define how you meet those learning objectives, which I suppose isn't hugely different from every other subject, but it's it's very explicitly different in DT because of the project-based nature. Um, I've always used Lego within my my teaching from from right from day one. So if I was teaching people to do technical drawing, we'd use Lego to build models and then we'd learn how to draw an orthographic and isometric. If I was teaching students about robotics, we'd use the Mindstorm and more recently the Spike Kits to kind of teach them about coding and and um, and you know smart technologies. So Lego was always a mainstay um, of my teaching practice. For many of the reasons we talked about earlier, it's ubiquitous, it's accessible, it's just a, a wonderful tool to have in the classroom anyway. Right. Um, and then as I've got, as I've bounced from from school to school, that that uh, has has continued. And in um, Singapore, in particular, uh, the school I was at prior to coming back to the UK. Um, we started, it was a very innovative school, and we started looking at ways to develop a more concept-based curriculum um, so that the, the skills were more transferable between different subjects. And we also started to encourage students across the board, not just in DT, to start thinking about how they could apply ideas linked to things like design thinking and systems thinking. Um, and as I evolved my understanding of those ideas and started to kind of build them into my practice in class that's where I started to come across Lego serious play more and more um, when you get to a certain point within Lego serious play build you can start to introduce systems thinking ideas and I think that is a I'm an incredible advocate for the power that can have in in education I think we are you know largely redactive in the way that we think um, and we are very linear because it's served us very well as a, as a species. Right. Um, but I think increasingly important for the challenges that, that kind of my kids and even us, we will face in the, in the kind of upcoming generations. Um, that ability to think systemically, I think, is, is going to be increasingly important. So as I've kind of gone through my career and moved to different schools, um, this issue of, of being able to think a bit more laterally, a bit more systematically, um, has become more and more increasingly prevalent. Um, and as a result, I've been looking for more and more tools to, to use as part of my kind of teaching and learning toolkit uh, to help my students access those skills and develop those skills. And some of them are really tricky, like to, to develop systems thinking in a really clean way is, is not easy to do. Um, and that's where Lego Serious Play came in. So it was a way of taking what I'd always done, building in my idea that I've always been kind of open to new ideas and, and been happy to work iteratively. And then as a result, those two things kind of merged together and, and an opportunity came up to do some training. I did it and I really haven't looked back since. And I've, I've continued to make it a mainstay um, since then. And it's probably also worth noting that I think as with everything, COVID had a fairly major role to play in that. I was head of digital learning um, at a massive school in Southeast Asia uh, during the pandemic. I took on the role just before 
and then it was a you know quite a small little role at the time and then in about two weeks became a fairly massive one as we basically transitioned the whole school to to digital learning and I think being part of that and seeing the role that disruptive innovation can play in education um you know we went from a physical school to a virtual school within about a week massively disruptive and yet the impact on learning wasn't anywhere near as, as significant as we thought it would be we're a very privileged school we had lots of resources um one-to-one school so digital access but i guess i'm not saying that there haven't been impacts on well-being they definitely have but i guess what that showed me is that for for 14 years i'd exist existed within a education system where incremental innovation if that was about as good as it got um and those increments were small um what i i saw through covid was actually you can be disruptive within education um and to be disruptive doesn't mean to necessarily trash everything but it did make me think well perhaps we need to be have a more kind of disruptive mindset when we're thinking about what education needs um i think every teacher every educator in the world is probably not going to disagree when I say that education systems are largely as they were a hundred years ago, a little bit outdated and need to change. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a slow moving ship, right? Nothing changes. So I just think, yeah, my, my exit from teaching recently um, coincided with my desire to, to try something new within the sphere of education, you know, where can education go? How can it be changed and disrupted for the better um and then hopefully bringing as many people who are keen to join me on that journey with me uh, in the process no absolutely i appreciate you sharing that because i think it's uh it's it's so fascinating and i think it does frame up a lot of the work that you're you know you're currently sharing you know on linkedin and and the work that you're doing and your training and workshops and so i appreciate you you sharing that mm-hmm. you know and so just uh, as we be respectful of your time you know i do want to talk about the book because hopefully by now a lot of people listening are are curious and they want to go explore the links which we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes you know but you you also recently came out with the book from you know as part of the lego series play work but it's dedicated to using those principles and those methodologies in the education lens based on your work experience and working with lots of other people and so i, I want to talk about that a little bit because someone's listening in and is really interested to see some examples or you know going like how do, how would i structure this um you know that i've seen the book obviously but can we talk about that a little bit because i think it's a i think it's an incredible book um i know i'm slightly biased in that a little bit but uh i i think as people are intrigued by this i think this conversation is going to create that curiosity and they want to start to figure this out it's a great great starting point to kind of have some concrete examples and more insights about this. So could you talk about the the book? I know self-promotion is not always the greatest and fun to do, but I think it's definitely worthy in this conversation to, to, to talk about it because it's a, it's a really, really great book. Um, and I say that, that I'll let you share because I also know that there's a lot of education books out there that right now in the space, you know, uh, they have good ideas, but it doesn't always give you that tangible something to go back and use. I don't, Fluff seems very disrespectful, but it's it's a good idea. They have a good kind of thing around it, 
but then you get done reading it and it's kind of like okay great now what do i do with that or i don't feel this book is that so um i just hyped it up quite a bit so i'll let you go ahead and uh, <laughs> land that bad boy but i think a lot of what you um, talked about <laughs> it yeah is i mean it's it's exactly what teachers are are struggling and grappling with and there is a resource to help them get started yeah, and I think so. The, if I think back to the kind of overarching objectives of the book, there were there were two things really. I think one was to um, explicitly show the value of Lego Serious Play in the education space. So um, the first half of the book, really, as well as introducing the method, it tries to weave in um, what teachers know about the science of learning. You know, kind of pedagogical ideas. It tries to uh, I hope successfully share why this is a relevant process, a relevant method to use in the classroom. So we we look at the different kind of pedagogical um, underpinnings of the method. Um, and I think as a as a kind of recent teacher, the reason I wanted to share that really is I know teachers rightly can be quite cynical. Um, I think if you're getting hammered with initiative after initiative after initiative after initiative, you start to question why do we keep bringing in so many <laughs> right. initiatives? Like what's the, right. what's the point? Um, and I and I completely agree with that. Um, and I guess I should put it a disclosure that you know Lego Series Play is not a thing that is right for every learning situation. It is a a method that can be really really powerful in certain um, learning for le certain learning experiences. Um, but I think in in the first half of the book, trying to contextualize it within the, you know, within a framework of why use this with, with your students. Um, that's really, that was objective number one. Um, so for people who, who are thinking, you know, they might've heard of Lego Serious Play, is it right for schools? Is it right for education? Is it right for using with students? Um, hopefully the first half of the book answers that right. um, in the way that I, I best see fit anyway, and, and trying to draw on the relevant kind of literature to, to back that up as well. Um, and then the second half of the book really is is very much tied to what you were talking about earlier. Um, I wanted, if someone bought it and read it, I wanted them to be able to then go and action on it. Um, and I think the key really is that, a bit like any training course I've ever been on, if I don't do something with it in the next week, chances are it gets kind of relegated to a very lovely set of notes that I may need to look at again. Um, so within this book, we we were very intentional about making it actionable. Um, with that in mind, the second half of the book is stacked with case studies. Um, we've we've invited other contributors, as you know, to, to kind of share their applications in different contexts. I'm a secondary school teacher or a high school teacher, so we invited primary school teachers to share case studies. We invited um, people from different school contexts and different parts of the world to share their case studies so that we could hopefully get across the message that this isn't, you know, a method which is limited to a certain context, used with a certain demographic of students. We really wanted to try and celebrate that kind of universal um, application that we feel uh, the method has. Um, so yeah, that that is really what the book is about. It's trying to validate the methods um, based on what I as a teacher would wanted to have read, read if I if someone was trying to say to me, this is a great idea. Um, and then it's trying to make it as easy as possible to put into action. Um, and that I, I hope we've achieved that. I mean, we've 
the book has has only recently really been launched, and we're um, looking to do some some more promotion to try and um, share some of the big ideas. But but I hope that those who have read it, and I know from feedback from those who have read it, um, they're very positive about how it can inform their practice, and that's really what its overarching purpose is. Yeah, and I think that's one of the key things. I mean, it helps set up. I mean, and we talked about a lot of this already the why behind like mm. this why it works um today but the book helps kind of support some of that and i think it about for the educators you know sometimes you have to go and have some conversations with with your admin or other district type leaders to have conversations to figure out how to get some things maybe some resources or access to trainings or maybe even just trying to get some lego um, yep. you know, and so I think what I like about the first half of that book is I think a lot of educators would agree with it and it kind of helps support some of those notions, but it can help have that helps kind of give you some more things to, to bring to the table. You have, to, you have to have some conversations if this is something that you want to bring into the classroom Not everybody can just turn around and go do. Sometimes there is a little bit of red tape that, that comes with, with certain places, you know, and then I think that second piece of just, there are those concrete examples you can really go in and you can copy one and kind of see how it works. And, and then yeah. the beauty of all of this is like the beauty of any kind of iterative play. I mean, and you know, this through your whole history and the way that you work and operate and anyone that's ever played with Lego is there's, there, there's some, you know, some, some templates there to use, but the beauty of it is to make it your own and uh, make it fit to your need and school and students and all the things that you are professional in, you bring that expertise to the table, but at least it gives you a, a good solid starting point of what it has looked like for somebody else and i think that's a really really nice uh feature of the book because sometimes it's like ah, i want to do it i just don't know how to get started and boy there's there's plenty of examples for it and i think that's a great point and and i i guess if i could you know the the case studies that i've shared really are a roadmap i guess of my best experiments right <laughs> with right a point you touched on then in you know the the need to hack it and make it work for you that is something that i i am completely on board with um a lot of the case studies i share include things that, that a lot of teachers would recognize as elements of their practice or parts of their toolkits and really i've merged them with lego serious play to hopefully kind of supercharge the process but i think that idea of Take some, you know, if, if anyone was reading the book, take what's in there and absolutely right, play with it. What could you do to make it work for you? What frameworks could you overlay? Um, how might you, you know, tweak the challenges? How might you change the environment? How might you introduce different elements? Um, yeah, that's that I think is central to my philosophy that I was talking about earlier. Um, and also, I think central to the idea of Lego series play itself. It's right. it's it's open source it's it's creative commons it's uh you know it is there to be hacked and modified and put to use in in as many contexts um as people see fit so yeah i think that is a, a great way of of thinking about taking it into your own teaching world yeah i mean i think it's like we we know that it's good for students but i think sometimes we forget to give ourselves the permission to play uh we get so caught up and just it's just it's a busy world. It's a busy job. And so I think sometimes we have to like, be like, Hey, you know what? I can play too. I can tinker. I, we, we forget to give ourselves permission, yeah. even though we know how valuable it is for, for our students. And so I think that's a, a I, I really appreciate that. 
So Leon, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, jump right in. I actually think some of the most exciting opportunities that we've worked with um, in schools have been with teachers for yeah. professional development as well. I mean, like you said, that you know, the principles of playful learning work across the board. We've run professional mentoring sessions. We've run professional development sessions. We've done uh, how to, you know, coaching models through Lego Serious Play. I think the applications are are as valid in a professional context, which the method was designed for, um, as well as in an educational one. Yeah. I mean, and that could be a whole nother conversation. I know I've done some stuff where I've brought Lego in and it's, it's a breath <laughs> of fresh air and uh, versus people kind of leaning back and disengaged. They, they can't help even the ones that want to be the most challenging, find themselves leaning in. And, uh, you know, I always joke, if, I always say there's, there's always the one that wants to kind of make a mockery of anything. And I'm always like, well, I always find it interesting that maybe you're joking or being passive aggressive, but you're, you're still playing with the Lego. So you're still kind of, you're doing the very thing that you're trying to fight. So I, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I think I won. It's not about winning, but I think I got you. Cause you're even, no, <laughs> but Liam, this has been, this has been fantastic. And I, I do want to be respectful. Um, of your time and we'll get lots of links in the show notes, but you know, you, you've got this work. You also share lots of great stuff. I know on LinkedIn, but if people want to follow more and learn more about you and your work or Lego serious play in general, you know, where, where are some of the best places for them to uh, check out? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, I, I share a lot of the work I've done uh, through LinkedIn, as you said, that's where I'm kind of always, putting stories and ideas and, and and all sorts of other kind of resources. So I think, yeah, using, you know, finding me there is probably the best bet. Um, if anyone is interested in in kind of learning a bit more, absolutely find me there and, and send me a message. And I'm I'm always very happy to to have a conversation and and kind of explore ideas a little bit further. Excellent. And for those that have been listening to the show, you know, we'll have everything linked so you can go right to the show notes. Fine. We'll have all this stuff listed for you can check out the book and Liam's work and follow his stuff on LinkedIn. It's definitely well worth your time to follow that and, and see all the stuff that he's sharing. And just who knows where the future holds. He's still he's still uh, in, in, in fresh water here in this new role. So it's going to be, I think, definitely a journey worth following as he gets you know, in more workshops and trainings for educators in schools. I think it's just the tip of the iceberg to see uh, what comes next. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing. I know lots of others will as, as well as they continue to, to, to find the work that you're doing and, and Lego serious play. So I appreciate uh, all that you're doing and uh, keep it up, my man. Great. Thanks so much. Enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.